0: Welcome to Get Off Our Lawn, episode three. Hey, Angela. Hey, we've made it to three
1: episodes already. We
0: have. And hello, Liz.
2: Hi. Hi. I can't believe it's three either. That's amazing. Your work rate is, is
1: improving, Ron.
0: <laughs> well, this week we have Rebecca Shingledecker and Angela. How do you know Rebecca?
1: I remember the first time I heard of Rebecca. I would got a message from one of our members who just happens to be a surgeon. He said to me, hey, Ange, have you seen this post about a woman with a brain tumor? This is serious. We talked about how we didn't want people on our group to start commenting on how essential oils or crystals or echinacea or whatever has helped a friend of a friend of a friend with their brain tumor. We actually wanted to do something that would really help her. The important part is that this surgeon is on vacation in Greece. He has better things to do than to check up on CrossFit Masters. Yet Rebecca was his number one concern. So we decided to reach out to her personally. He is a medical expert, not neurosurgery, but a world-class surgeon. And I wanted to let her know that we as admins of the group would make sure that no one posts any stupid comments that are straight up dumb or derails her journey. But it's amazing how our group has supported Rebecca. She's a remarkable person with a ton of personal fortitude and strength of character. I also love how she describes CrossFit as an ungodly expensive exercise no truer words were spoken and while she admits she doesn't have all her marbles anymore thanks to the hole in her brain she tells an inspirational story of taking sour lemons and making lemonade you know we can all learn from her
0: liz i think you've got a connection as well can you tell us about rebecca
2: yeah um i saw rebecca's posts on on the on the board and I was amazed that anybody could do what she did whilst dealing with the issues she was dealing with. And it was particularly um, pertinent for me because, again, I won't won't name the individual, but somebody that I know quite well is dealing with similar issues. So for me, actually, there was an extra dimension there because that gave me a lot of hope for the other person. But I first kind of engaged properly with, with Rebecca because somebody posted something up to say that, you know, oh, there were so many of these posts. And I kind of thought, mm, this is probably not the right group for this person. I gave them a little help with that and, you know, moved them out of the group. And I contacted Rebecca afterwards to, to say, you know, I'm really sorry that, that that person posted that, but, you know, they have decided to leave the group. And we had quite a, a nice chat on, on private message and I enjoyed that. And then I had a marathon coming up and Rebecca mentioned that she was also a marathon runner, and she hoped to to resume marathon running once things had settled down, maybe, and it would be her 14th. So I thought, no, oh, this is my 14th marathon as well. So what I did was when I ran it, I I decided that this, uh, this was Rebecca's marathon. So I was just kind of running it by proxy on her behalf. So um, I sent us some photos of the course, which was actually across um, the shooting range and Salisbury Plain. It was a proper race, so we didn't get fired on. But what we did have was loads of signs by the side of the road, which said, do not leave the wound, do not touch anything, it may explode and kill you. So I thought, okay, there's an extra, a little bit extra going on here. So, um when I was done with it I sent Rebecca uh, you know the pictures of the course and and the picture of the medal and said you know this this ones for you I hope that you you rejoin the the women running marathons uh, club again very very soon so since then I, I've always looked out for Rebecca's post because her unerring positivity and the way that she she deals with these issues gives me a, a lot of hope for other people who are who are in this situation and also i'm sure that everybody has things that they're dealing with and that gives us a lot of perspective That if somebody uh, dealing with what she's dealing with can still do these amazing lifts and you know post up videos of herself kind of doing olympic lifting that is really really inspiring really inspiring
0: the other thing i think that's really inspiring is rebecca talks a lot about community And she talks about her family. She talks about her box. She talks about the CrossFit Masters group on Facebook and how much they pulled her through. And I think that's something that we appreciate, but we don't necessarily see on a daily basis. And it really hit to me that this group really helps people. There is a community sense, there is a larger world out there than than just us and just a few of us and it helps a lot to know that people care and i think that really resonates when rebecca talks to us so that said here's rebecca what i'm kind of hoping to do with this podcast is learn a little bit about the members of the group, and and from a standpoint of you know, CrossFit is really cool. Mm-hmm. It's something that's helped us a lot, and I'd love to hear about that from you. But also too, you know, there's a lot of fighters on this list, a lot of people mm-hmm. who have done some really amazing stuff like yourself, and mm-hmm. maybe a little bit of kind of. Who you are and, and and what happened to you and True. how you found out and that kind of stuff. So how would you describe yourself? You're Rebecca Shingledecker. Yeah. You've been a member of the list for a couple of years. You had a brain tumor, if I'm correct.
3: I did. And then I had a couple of concussions afterwards. So I can give the story if
0: you'd like. Yeah, so what, what is the story? Give us a little bit of the background. You've shared a lot and a lot of people resonate with, but, but not everybody. Yeah. And then hopefully this, this will hit a few people that haven't been on the list either. So what is your story? Actually, let me, let me ask you a question to start off with. So we know that you had a brain tumor. How did you find out about that? What, what was this situation that you went into a doctor and what caused you to walk in the door and say, I think I've got something wrong here?
3: Well, actually, um, you know, there's quite a bit of backstory of what I didn't do like for the couple weeks before, but like, I just, it's, it was, I was super duper healthy or at least that's what I thought. But, but then it was in the middle of the open. I'm feeling like it was 18.3 and after I just felt so, so bad that, um, my doctor's office was just, a. Uh, like a mile and a half from the box. And um, I went from finishing 18.3 to the doctors. I had, at that point I had had three like severe sudden onset headaches, but uh, over the course of about oh, 10 days. And because I'm an idiot and uh, I didn't go to the hospital, some of them I involved like stroke, like symptoms and I just didn't, and so, but I went into the doctor, and, you know, I had been sick. I'd run a um, on February 24th and 25th, which was a Saturday and Sunday, uh, which was like two weeks before. I'd run a 5K on Saturday, then on Sunday, a half marathon, um, and I think i got gotten sick from like a cold or something, sinus infection from that Saturday, because I ran it in the rain, and so they had put me on some medicine like a week or two before i started getting sick and including steroids and stuff and we thought the doctor and them thought that maybe that was causing my headaches and to come back if i had another one I had a fourth one you know after i was off my medicine and and so within a couple of days i was off and i had another one and and then i went in and they uh, ordered a uh, mri and and so um, march 14th which was 3 days later you know imagine it's it was terrible like you have to wait 3 days for the results when i know that the mri tech saw it because you couldn't miss it but he's not legally allowed to say anything but so on march 14th which was my daughter's birthday and also ironically the day i got my l1 certificate in the mail they the doctor called me which you know when you get a call from the doctor that's never a good sign (laughs) so anyhow she called me and said that i'm gonna need surgery and that she was gonna um, refer me to a neurosurgeon and so i got in a week from that day i got in to see the neurosurgeon which is unheard of because I know of people waiting months and um, I was frustrated because I had to wait a week (laughs) I didn't know that how I didn't know how uh, booked they are but then when I saw the neurosurgeon um, they scheduled me for surgery on March 30th which was 16 days from the day that I was diagnosed so it was a whirlwind of tests Tests and more tests and enough MRIs to think that I was going to stick to the fridge if I had another one.
0: <laughs> yeah. What were you diagnosed with? What specifically?
3: Well, specific. At first, I was diagnosed with a um, a meningioma that had invaded my brain, um, which is why I'm, I know I've posted pictures. But there's a hole in my brain now, uh, which meningiomas usually grow outside of the brain and in like between the skull and the brain Um, but mine had invaded it so when I saw my neurosurgeon he thought it was a different type of tumor because it was so aggressive because it was also the the reason why I was having symptoms was because it was the swelling that was surrounding it that's what they said, you know, was the main culprit because when they put me on, when I saw the neurosurgeon and he put me on steroids um, for the time to make my life bearable between that time and the surgery and in the headaches actually for the most, I mean, the severe, severe headaches went away, but I've had ever since then I've had like low grade headaches, but I've never in my life ever had a headache like that or, since, thank God, but, um, yeah.
0: So, so you've been really open on the the CF Masters list. You've shared your journey. I think you even shared the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Have you been that external of a person the whole time, or, or you know, are you a hey, I want to share my life kind of person? Yeah,
3: yeah. I've never been a really a private person. I've found through my life that um the most learning I've gotten or healing or whatever has been from other people's willingness to share their stories um I, and and you know I, I guess I'm a believer in giving what you want or whatever I, and people's vulnerability is is um helpful to me and so I I've always been I just I've always been pretty willing to share my life and, um, stories. And, and I guess I, I, um, I feel that God has given me this personality and this experience. And, and, you know, I, I vowed not, if I had to deal with this stuff, I I wouldn't waste the suffering. And if other people could learn because of all I've gone through, then, then I'd take the chance at being vulnerable.
0: It's been pretty amazing. the, outpouring of people that respond yes well how's that affected you i mean what what do you get from the the people who respond to your posts
3: well you know i i post it and not knowing like initially i don't i remember very little you know of various times but i don't remember when i first posted it but i had no idea like that's been the biggest surprise Uh, pleasant surprise of of all of this how just intense the the outpouring would be for me and so um that that's been amazing and and just it's wrecked my life in a really good way if you can say it like that but um i mean it's changed everybody in my family honestly um they my family is all from Michigan, and so they came down for the week for my surgery and such and and the state that I was still in after the surgery um, left of course, my mom was just beside herself happened to leave. however, the outpouring that they saw and even the staff at the hospital and and just um, from CrossFitters and then they, they know I showed them like, uh, the day of my surgery, I had messages from around the world from our master's page. Um, just sending, um, just well wishes and, and rooting me, uh, rooting me on. And, you know, even before that people were doing like 18.5 with my honor and just, I, I can't even express how much Craziness, an amazing craziness, um, has been poured out. I've got a lot, a lot of different box shirts and um, a, a local box. Excuse me, made a blanket out of different shirts and a quilt. I guess is what better way of saying it. And that was just the most beautiful thing and heart tugging. And and then just recently, a, me- a member knitted or crocheted I don't know the difference but uh, a shawl and sent it to me I had no idea that she was sending I don't even know how she got my address to be honest but she sent this to me and and like I just it's been amazing my so my family had to go back and they weren't they weren't worried anymore and and for a mom that's got to be uh really heartwarming but even more so is my, my husband who hadn't exercised in years, uh, seeing the outpouring and the love that everybody showered on me from CrossFit, you know, locally and, um, from the master's page and just, he got into it and now he's, he's hooked just like the rest of us. (laughs) It's crazy. I mean, even when my, my best friend, uh, we went to the games in 2018, and i had people like i kid you not i had walked in i we had just gotten to the venue and and somebody recognized me i had that all the time my best friend is much more private than me and like much more private and, and she just couldn't believe that people were like oh you're rebecca and I'm like i just look around and like uh are you talking to me
0: <laughs> it's yeah it's pretty bizarre in a good way. What's that do? I mean, you got the recovery, which is you have the medical recovery, and then you've gone through a lot of—I don't know if it's occupational therapy or the, you know physical therapy and stuff. But mm-hmm. w- what is the mental aspect to this in terms of you know how 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 do you keep fighting it and and w- where are you at with that right now?
3: With fighting it?
0: Yeah. How do you? Yeah. How do you keep? How do you? Approach your recovery if if you still need to keep recovering now, and and I'm not a mm-hmm. professional interviewer, so excuse me if my questions are off, you know, and don't make a ton of <laughs> sense. But um, you know, it, it seems like you're still fighting, you're still working, and yeah. And I, when I mean fighting, I mean it respectfully, you know. It just doesn't right, it, of course, it doesn't seem like you know things are all hunky dory. You're still you're still working to get back,
2: and, mm-hmm.
0: and what are you working on now?
3: Yeah, well, you know, I can say that. Um that because nothing, nothing has gone textbook. Nothing, and and so my the the CrossFit background has helped me to like my an anesthesiologist and my neurosurgeon. The day I went into surgery, he said that whatever you're doing, uh, you know, keep it up. And he said that that saved my life, my fitness from CrossFit. And then, but then waking up on the second day, paralyzed. You know, I I didn't freak out about any of this. I didn't cry when I found out I had a tumor. I didn't cry when I found out I was, when I realized I was paralyzed. I didn't cry about any of, I mean, like, not that that's wrong, would be wrong. But, you know, um, but I had no idea that I would end up in a rehab or having to relearn to walk. And just, but just knowing that I had like, a I felt like I had a cheering squad and and my personality isn't to give up regardless of the the cheering section however there have been days where because having these extra two extra concussions on top of it has just exponentially made things you know a bazillion times worse and and so you know there were times after the last concussion that I just couldn't get off the couch or I didn't want to get off the couch or whatever and And, you know, it had started to do like some bad things in the mental space because I I didn't have anything to share. It wasn't like the beginning where I was relearning to walk and I was making headway. There was nothing like I just the brain healing is very different than like your broken arm or even other forms of cancer. Like my best friend is going through had uh, breast cancer and she knew that she had X amount of treatments. I didn't know anything, you know, I still don't know anything. I still don't know if I'm going to a hundred percent be better. I mean, I probably won't be, but I can be like 90% better or, or whatever. But um, it was, it was just hard, but at, I got to a point where or it's been not too long ago, but recently that if I, I'm the, of cr- fatigue is crushing. That's one of the things that still that I still have challenges with in the, in my memory. And just sometimes I, like when I break, my brain gets tired, my right side gets weak. Mm-hmm. And cause that was the side that was paralyzed. Cause it, so the, the tumor was on my left frontal lobe. It was ironically, it was on the strength center. The motor control center is what it's technically called, but it's where your strength comes from. I mean, isn't that ironic yeah. <laughs> uh, for, uh, for a crossfitter and the person that likes to be strong? Uh, you take that away from me and, and that's quite a challenge. But so eventually I, I just, I guess I just decided that I'm ha- still going to have all of these symptoms. I'm 18, almost 18 months into this gig and nobody can tell me, you know, what's going to be better, what's not going to be better. And finally, I just decided that to heck with it. I'm just going to go and wad. I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to go do what I need to do and, or I want to do because it makes me feel alive, you know, and and I may feel like crap afterwards, but I feel like crap laying on the couch too. So, but I should disclaimer all this before anybody says, uh, my neurosurgeon has cleared me to do anything that I want without dropping something on my head <laughs>
0: yeah this is this is not medical advice this is rebecca. exactly this is rebecca's story as told by rebecca with right with rebecca's doctors
3: right exactly yeah because it's everybody's i mean i've heard the story i heard the saying that says if you've seen one brain injury you've seen one brain injury <laughs> Whereas like if you break your arm, you know, someone, or I see a lot of knee replacements, hip replacements, all those things on, on the, the group, but you, and that can kind of go linear, you know, you have a trajectory sort of, but I can't ask a question on there and say, Hey, when can I expect to not have these headaches? (laughs) You know, nobody's going to be like, I mean, even the neurosurgeons and stuff don't have any, any clue because frankly, He's stumped by me because I actually came out of surgery acting like I had a severe concussion before I actually had a concussion. Mm-hmm. It, so uh, they're not CrossFitters, but they they uh, like what I how it's keeping me in shape and
0: stuff. What is that for you to get back in the box? Has it helped your coordination? Has it helped your musculature has it what does it mean to get back in the box mentally physically for you given that you've had to go through relearning how Mm -hmm. to walk which I can't I can't even begin to fathom
3: yeah um well it's definitely done a lot for um my mental space um I'll say that the the my physical therapist I had one physical therapist say that if I hadn't been in as good a shape as I would was, I'd probably still be on a walker. So I give that credit to CrossFit. But you know, I I will say that like my my box is was about a mile or less from my rehab hospital. They in fact, I'll never forget the memory that they they took me transfer me from the surgical hospital to the rehab hospital, and we drove right by the box. And I'm like, oh, this is heartbreaking, heartbreaking. Anyhow, but it also probably gave me a little inspiration to, to get back. And so my the box owner and other people would come and, and sit with me at the, at the rehab hospital and just bring food and wonderful things like that. But it's helped me physically to um, – my right side was weak weaker but so historically because I'm very I'm when I don't have a brain tumor on my strength center I am very right side dominant because I'm right-handed and all that and one of the things that I did not know because I didn't know I had a tumor uh was my I thought my left side was just getting really strong because I couldn't put like doing push presses and stuff like that I couldn't push the the right side as well you know it it doesn't make sense but it's the one thing looking back it's the only sign that I had looking back but now I noticed yesterday because last night I did 18.1 and and you know this wouldn't be a exciting thing to other people but my left side was I could tell that my left side was weaker which which is a is a a sign that it's getting better because that's historically always been the weaker side minus a tumor you know and so just even being able to I've PR'd um, quite a few things and um, I don't know if that's you know because I don't have a tumor on my on my uh, motor control you know my strength center or if it's just because stronger or both or what but that helps so much and you know, I've I started. I'm trying to do like one fit new thing every week or more that I couldn't haven't done since surgery. Um, like Saturday, I did handstand holds, and you know, uh, yesterday I did a crap ton of toes to bar, and I'm doing like um, pike off the box um, push-ups because I can't. I could never do handstand push-ups before either, so I'm working on that. But I. I had been having problems being upside down. It really does make me feel like crap, but it's kind of a risk, cost risk ratio. Is that what it, it's not dangerous? It just,
0: I was going to ask you that. I mean, that the, the, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> not dangerous. It just doesn't make me feel great, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Obviously, I know nothing about brain tumors and brain repair and any of that. So excuse me if I'm being totally ignorant here, but the the strength training that you're doing, whether it's you know dumbbells in Mm 181 or with a barbell. So you 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 have to push with both sides to get a barbell up. Is that retraining the muscles? Is that retraining the brain? Do you have an understanding of that? And in terms of how does that work? I mean if, if you've affected one one core area of your brain, does another area take it over? Are you teaching yourself to lift again?
3: Well, you know, so I can, the doctors listening to this are going to probably want to pull their hair out. However, this is my understanding that they gave me in rehab. Because also, I didn't mention that, you know, when I woke up two days after my surgery paralyzed, obviously, it was pretty concerning to them so they rushed me into a CT and MRI and they realized that this the hole like if people ever look at my my MRIs the hole that they took the tumor out of had had stroke had strokes and so which they said is not uncommon for when you do damage to your brain but also i had a um, occlusion of a big vein that goes over the top of the tumor And so then they put me on a crap ton of steroids and all that. So that helped. But so I was, it was explained to me in rehab that it's like, you know, if, if you're, if the way you go to work has a bridge and the bridge is blown out, you can get there still, but you have to find a different way. It just take longer. And eventually they'll get the bridge fixed maybe, or maybe not, you know, and in the meantime, you you find the different you get to the place you need to go through a different route and the same goes with the brain as far as I understood that you know that hole thing if you, you could think in your mind of that hole that I have in my brain those areas may or may not ever get fixed but the brain reroutes itself and when and it's so it's really cool in some ways because when I started to feel when I could not I literally could not feel my leg and I couldn't move my toes I couldn't anything but when they started giving me those steroids and 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 I guess when the pathways started to to reconnect in my brain I would get electric shocks, type, very briefly and not super painful but just enough to like, ooh, I have some feeling in Quadzilla and <laughs> so but then you know that's why they had me in 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 the videos I would show of like having to pick up my foot and put it on a block and which was harder than I can even describe i mean it's It's humbling you know to to have gone from doing eighteen point five and all those seventy five pound thrusters to not being able to lift my foot so that was reconnecting the the pathways so i don't really have to reteach myself to lift but i can say that because of i have three brain injuries now um i my brain gets tired faster than my body gets tired and when that happens i start to lose strength in my my right arm and right leg and so if I want to get a PR on a, let's say, clean and jerk, I need to do it at the beginning of the wad before a Metcon because that, it's probably not going to be there in, in 20 minutes if, of doing a Metcon. And the other thing is, is because I did get my last concussion by dropping a 65-pound barbell on my head. I, I have some – I'm not a fearful person, and I, I'm not a timid person, but I've learned to bail really well because I just don't want another concussion like that. So
0: you don't need Good one. Good Lord, no. Excuse me for not jumping on it earlier, but I, I didn't know that that the paralyzation post your initial surgery was abnormal. You didn't realize that, was, that was a big flag for you.
3: Yeah, no, it, you know, when you sign, when you, I'm sure you and other people have had surgeries and, you know, they give you the list of possible, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, oh,
0: the the repercussions, side effects, yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah, side
3: effects, and one of them is death, of course, always death. And but right above that was paralysis, <laughs> because so it was basically a well, you're probably not going to have that. I think I think, and I don't know this for sure, but I have to think that because I was so healthy and in shape and fit, that he didn't think that would happen, but. I don't know about that, but I just know that he didn't think it would happen. But he did call it that he said that he did say that it's a possibility. And he said, but if it does happen, it'll probably go away within six weeks or so. And, and that was pretty spot on because by the time, oh, about seven or eight weeks, I was off my walker. So, but it wasn't, it's not a guaranteed. Some people walk out of there actually in a day some people I've seen are, are doing really well. I didn't even remember, I didn't even know what the heck was going on to, within the first 48 hours because I was so snowed. But so, no, it isn't, it isn't a guaranteed. It was just one of my lemonade making moments. Luckily, you know, we're, my husband and I are EMTs, and so we're pretty um, stable emotionally as far as uh, we don't freak out easily and so I, I don't know I don't know what caused me to not freak out when I couldn't feel that to be honest looking back <laughs> I don't know
0: I can't put myself in your place and how, how do you know you know how do you know when you wake up how you're going to feel and how you're going to react and right and then the other factor for me that's confusing and yeah I've been through a couple of surgeries. Is How do you communicate to the medical staff that you think you've got a problem or not because they see so many of these things and you're sitting there and it's you and you're like okay is it normal that i can't feel my leg or is it abnormal or which part do i complain about and those types of questions can get a little bit confusing yeah
3: well the thing is is like so i was in well it was a regular icu but i but because of i was a neuro patient they had a really close eye on me and like so you know, I was warned from the get-go that I wasn't going to be, they weren't going to leave me alone, like every hour or so they would be waking me up to to check my neuro skills. So yeah, I, I, (laughs) this is just a side note, but I don't think that like, I know some people get it, but like, Some people don't. And in fact, I don't know if I got it, but like how big of a deal brain surgery is like they had, I must've looked like Frankenstein in the um, operating room because they put these neural mapping things on both wrists and both ankles, which I still have some scars today. But then I had things everywhere because I guess if you know, being sarcastic, but if your brain doesn't stops working, then you're pretty much out of luck but but so they kept waking me up and and they would ask me to wiggle my toes and move my finger hands and stuff and when they you know they I couldn't wiggle my toes and I couldn't feel I couldn't lift my engage my quad my right quad where I could my left and so yeah that was I didn't even have to beg them to pay attention to me no they were they were more freaked out than I was. So that's the case.
0: So you've mentioned a couple of times about being strong coming into this surgery. And we've talked a lot about CrossFit. And obviously, we've connected through CrossFit, the CrossFit Masters group on Facebook, what is your history? How did you get into it? And you mentioned running 5k's and half marathons, you know, kind of what's what's your what's your physical background history?
3: Yeah, so I actually, um, I have I ran about 13 marathons, <laughs> including an ultra marathon. And I, one thing I did was I had trained in Michigan. I had um, started a group to um, train uh, people to run their first half or full marathon. And that was so exciting. So coaching is is my my jam. Hopefully I can do that again. But so I had run, I ran quite a few, Marathon. Actually, I don't know if we have time for this, but the way I even got into long distance running was crazy. I'd won a trip to the Boston Marathon. Like who does who could do that? It's it's a crazy story. I found out from Runners World
0: magazine. Come on, what's the story? How how'd you win a trip to Boston?
3: So I um I had, don't even have any recollection of signing up online with Runner's World magazine for this trip. And so I had been getting these emails saying that I won this trip. And I, you know, spam, I figured. And finally, because it was so persistent, I sent, I looked up the Rodale, I think it's Rodale, but the, anywho, the the people that publish Ro, uh, Runner's World magazine.
0: Rodale Press, absolutely.
3: Right. And so I finally sent somebody there a message and said, look, I don't know if this is real, but then I, I think I gave them my phone number or whatever so one day I'm going into because I I used to do church services for the ladies in jail in my hometown and I'm going into the jail and I get this phone call from this person from the publishing company and said look I I hear you think we're scamming but we're not And, and apparently the person that had won the trip they had somebody else had actually won the trip and they just, they didn't want it. And so I was like the second runner up. And so the kicker was, is that I had like six or eight weeks to train. I had run only run like a six miles <laughs> and, and that wasn't even recent to that. And, and I was supposed to, part of the package was supposed to be getting um, Hal Higdon. I don't know if anybody's familiar with him, probably run runners would be, but he's like, it'd be like coach Bergner calling you that would be the the level of in the runner's world he's notorious for coaching and anyhow he called me because that was part of the package and and he he didn't he advised me not to do it because I didn't have any time to train but because I'm tenacious or whatever I just I hired a I paid fifty dollars to someone to that was a or training coach and to write me up some programs, and she said, "Well, you gotta start today." And so, uh, the first day, I went and did an eight-mile run. I mean, I had some serious blisters. <laughs> oh my god! And so, within a few weeks, i I got up to 16 miles, and so I went and did the Boston Marathon. <laughs> But they the, the funny part is is when I get there, you know, you get your swag, you know, but you win, and they just it's like they did not want to acknowledge that this is the person that won the trip because I was so just like I'm not the picture of a crossfitter, I'm not the picture of a long distance runner. <laughs> it's hilarious, but that started my journey, so after that, I, I'm not, I don't like running that much, to be honest with you, I just like marathons yeah it doesn't i don't know if that makes sense, but I love the atmosphere is so electric, like you have people out there cheering you on and yada 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 and so and just being able to say that I did it is is what I like to do because the fact is, is I think statistically only like one percent some small percent of people in the world have ever run that long, and you know I'm all about doing stupid things so but so anyhow, I went on to do chicago and and all the and do a bunch of them there i've done the local one here many years i'd like to sign up because so i did i did that um half marathon i mentioned at the beginning like two weeks before my tumor was was diagnosed i had no training no run training i had only run like two miles straight and but i only i had crossfit and i'm telling you that I felt stronger than I've ever felt running training for these marathons. And I could have ran the whole marathon. I would have hated my life afterwards, but I could have done it. That's, that's just attributed tri- uh, to CrossFit. Because I, la- I ran my last uh, marathon in April of 2017. It was the Oklahoma City Memorial Marathon. And I, I really just was over it. You know, running, training—that's really what I was over. So I decided I wanted to get strong, and once I got to CrossFit, I could do cardio workouts to, for like nobody's business. But strength, ooh, that was bad. <laughs> but so I'm. My goal is is that I want to do um, that Cowtown the half in. I think it's March 1st, and I've actually set up a team. So if anybody's listening, wants to come to Fort Worth, show you a good time. You can run on my team, so Team Lemonade Makers. I'm raising money for this brain tumor foundation that I've spoken at their fundraisers and stuff. But you don't have to raise money; you just have to come and have a good time. Walk the marathon, the half marathon, or whatever you want to do.
0: Didn't jump in there, but I'm dying right now. So Hal Higdon calls you and says, "Don't run." <laughs> yeah. You go to the granddaddy of all possible marathons. Right. Which (laughs) I've annoyed more people than I can count because I I don't understand Boston. I mean, I get it. Yeah. I'm an ex-runner. I'm an an ex-triathlete. I don't know. Ex-marathoner. And I know Boston's aura, but as a West Coaster, it's just never really registered with me. Yeah. But, But you talk about the only word I can think of is circus. And I don't mean it in a negative way, but you love marathons because you like the crowds and all that. I mean, that's Boston right there. Uh huh. Yeah, very much. (laughs) Very much. Insane. It is. Yeah. And the only the only true technical marathon that I've run was Death Valley, which is wintertime, not summertime. But there are no crowds. There's nobody. It's literally a dirt trail for 28 miles. So Mm. (laughs) I, I have a very different view of marathons. But it's it's it is an amazing amazing run. If you ever want to do something, it's every five miles in the dirt, there's just like some water jugs and you just kind of fill up and go. It's absolutely amazing.
3: So oh, that's I did. It's not around anymore, but I did something called El Scorcho here, which is kind of the opposite of that other. So it's like, it's just stupid is what it is. It's, it's, it's an ultra marathon and I did it multiple years and it's, it's <laughs> it makes me laugh thinking about it, but it's in the middle of July in the middle of the night. So it starts at midnight. It's in, yeah, in in Texas. So the first year I ran it, it was, it was like 115 degrees. And so I, 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 the only reason to do it is, is for the bragging rights because there is no other smart or sane reason to do it. And I ended up, you know, I just moved from Michigan. So I was disoriented and like dangerous, like, it was, it was bad, but I came back. <laughs> That's why I'm destined to CrossFit.
0: I want to get into that. So let's take it back to CrossFit. You said you were kind of over the marathon stuff. What got you into a CrossFit box?
3: <laughs> so I'll give my uh, BFF a plug because she, she had been talking about, cause actually I, ironically, I met her through long distance running and um, a running group here in Fort Worth. And when I first moved here, so she's been my longest friend here in Texas. But she she just would talk about this ungodly expensive exercise she did in the middle of the summer when it, and it would say how it was like 120 degrees in this box and and doing all these what I call stupid things and like who in the blankety blank bright mind would do that? Although I ran in the middle of the night in Texas, but you know I digress. But so she would talk about that and I, I just was turned off by it. But then when I, after I ran this last marathon, I started going to planet fitness and I got, had the lunk alarm blown on me and, and I couldn't do deadlifts. Like I got up to a certain weight and I just, there's no, you know, weights to do it. And, and I don't, I don't know. I think I just remembered that her talking about it and I looked up this I looked up CrossFit boxes and this one that I landed at they had a free community workout on Saturdays and I just can't express enough how important those things are because that's what got me in the door and it was the hardest thing I, I mean just the <laughs> um stereotypically the warm up I was like what in the heck I <laughs> mean mind you I just ran a marathon so the warm up just about killed me. But then I just, I feel like it's the Lord, but like I got partnered up with the box owner's sister. And, and so I don't, I don't know. I it just, just, I loved it. I just absolutely loved it. It killed me, but I loved it. And I was like, I cannot wait to come back. Yeah. That's how, how I got into it. But then I just, I just never left. I started in 2017. So the fall or the, I'm sorry, the spring of 2017, and so I had a good year in before my my diagnosis. So they had already become like family to me, and so. But I love the the strength aspect, and I didn't realize how much I would love to lift weights
0: like that. And so that's kind of kept you going back. So what's next for you? I mean, do you can you make plans? Do you have to just kind of play it as it goes, or wh- wh- where do you see things kind of panning out? Well, so,
3: you know, February, the, like, I think it was the 23rd or something. I, something around the end of February, I went to, I did my L1 class. And I just, I really think that was Providence too, because had I done it after, I wouldn't, I don't think I would have passed the test because I don't have the, I say I have my marbles. I don't have all my marbles anymore, but I just, my attention span and, and, and just my ability to focus and all that is, is not there. And, and I, I had, I had Kevin Ogar as one of my, my, um, instructors. And I just think that what, what a a gift that was because I ended up messaging him while I was in rehab and asking him, do you remember me? And he said that he doesn't forget a a fiery redhead. (laughs) And so, um, I would love to to coach i, I really would i tried one of the boxes of one of the people that I met through all this is at a box that um they wanted me to coach, and I did coach a few times that was before my my other concussions and and so i I just feel I feel like I, I'm not, um, I I love CrossFit and, and the people that I have such a coaching heart that I just want to give my best and I cannot, I I couldn't adequately describe how to do a snatch. That's just the way, you know, it is. And the other problem is, is that I don't think, not every single person wants to know my story and I don't need to tell every single person. Not that I don't want to, I just was able to tell every single person at the box my story then then they may it may look like the the owner just put some moron in there as a as a coach because what if what if I lose my words what if I cannot adequately describe it you know that's kind of stuff I deal with and so now I've thought about like maybe being able to do um CrossFit for stroke uh, you know brain injured people and and stuff like um, I had thought about taking the the adaptive athlete uh, training, but I don't have the money at this point. But because I feel like it, in when I was in rehab, they did CrossFit. That's I mean, it's up and down, sit stand, sit stand, you know, uh, various things like that, and you know, squatting and stuff like that. That CrossFit has the answer for, and I just don't know if I have the what it takes upstairs you know to totally do it if i could write everything out that would be fine because i can do that but coming up on the fly with very technical stuff would be hard i mean i could if, if if i was ever given a wad that didn't have most barbell movements or the technical barbell movements then i feel comfortable with that but who can guarantee that you know
0: yeah it's hard. You're fighting. I mean, that's the thing I think that resonates with most people yeah. is you are con- continuously putting in work and that work isn't isn't just this concept of, you know, pick up the barbell or, you know, work on your mobility. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're doing a whole bunch of holistic work and you talked about being tired and things like that. And one of the things, I mean, I'm a dad, I've got teenagers. God help you. Yeah. <laughs> they're, bo- they're both in ninth grade. Oh, it's, it's a transition. How has this changed you as a mom? You've referenced earlier, you're a mom uh-huh. because there she's always, she's always going to be a mom, even though right. you're a mom too. And I mean, how, how has this affected, um, you know, your family and your kids and and so forth? You referenced your husband earlier. But yeah. Wow.
3: Well, so I, you know, I have, I've been married to him for my husband, Roger, to, uh, for 27 and a half years, which I, I had to write that down because These days, I can't remember how old I am or how long I've been married. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That's so terrible. Good thing neither one of us are romantic. But uh, (laughs) my kids, and this is, I'm just saying, like, everything was set up for me. Like, if I I have, because my kids are grown. And so had this happen when I had little kids, I don't think I could handle it. Because I I have God kids. I'm, I was a, the director of operations for an asylum seeker organization, and one of the asylees came, and, and she had a baby. She had two, actually, but one of them they named after me, and I haven't been able to spend time with them much because I can't handle screaming kids or screaming adults for that matter, but, but luckily, my, kid, my daughter is 25, and she's back in Michigan, and my son, Zach. Is twenty two, and I just he he got married in um in July to a, a precious uh, South African um, named Nikita, and they live with us, and so uh, she's been able to help me with dishes and because you know up until recently I haven't even been able to cook because I couldn't put together recipes, I couldn't after the concussions like I I couldn't reading was difficult and and even like three items on a recipe would make me like have a meltdown. And so brain meltdown. So, you know, it's, my daughter probably took it the hardest uh, my mom. And really no one, I think here's the, here's the thing is that I really feel like in some situations or a lot of situations, or maybe everybody that surrounds me is that how the patient Deals with things greatly influences those around them. And when I found out that I had the brain tumor, my reaction wasn't normal. You know, I was pretty calm. They might as well have told me I had a sinus infection because I was just that calm. And I, I, like I had mentioned, I suspect it's due to our days as EMTs. And and I also think that that's my husband's reaction because he also didn't freak out. He's been the he's been rock solid with me like going to all these crazy support groups and and all these things that in never complaining but he wasn't ever emotional you know i was making jokes about this you know like i'm i know that the arnold schwarzenegger uh it's not a tuma thing <laughs> like i guess it's showing my age going back to kindergarten cop jokes but but now i could say it is a tuma <laughs> Anyhow, I see. This is what I'm saying is like my parents didn't think it was appropriate for me to be laughing, but uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's it's your diagnosis exactly. It's, but if you want to scream, scream. Yeah. If you want to laugh, do whatever. Exactly.
3: Yeah. Well, you know. So here, this kind of sums up this like how people reacted around me is that one of my friends who happened to be an asylum seeker, he I was really close to him, and he didn't he didn't get in contact with me through most of this. And, and I was just, it wondered about that. And afterwards, he was said, he apologized to me. And he said, I didn't think it was a big deal because you didn't make a big deal out of it. <laughs> and, and I was like, wow. But I had to tell him, you know, anytime you have brain surgery, it's a big deal. But I understand that because I, I just didn't make a big deal out of it. I mean, I shared my story with you guys and I blogged it for other people too. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I've seen so much death and destruction through my our work and then all my volunteer work with, you know, these asylum seekers and then uh, women caught in sex trafficking and addicts and all these things that it's kind of like I've just seen the underbelly of the world, so this doesn't surprise me. I know I'm weird.
0: You're you're not weird at all. You're strong. And it, you know, maybe this is too much, you know, Ron inside baseball, but it drives me nuts when other people tell people how to, how to react to their own diagnosis. Right. Exactly. Or, you know, how to react to, oh, you know, so-and-so is getting a divorce and she shouldn't be torn up because she should have known or whatever. I haven't lived your life. Right. I think offline, we talked a little bit, like I was a lifeguard and I had to pull a a Uh dear friend out of the, out of the water once. and. and you, you talk about stupid, and this probably won't make the podcast, but he and another friend were doing underwater swimming, Uh-huh. like underwater swimming and how long could you go? And he had shallow water blackout is what happened. Oh. But he did it close to the end. And when he rolled over, I thought he was still looking at his watch. Oh. And so we were sitting around and finally, it could have been 10 seconds. It could have been a minute. And I'm like, I uttered those famous words. Oh, shit. Yeah. And- you know grabbed him got him out and one of the things that got into my head having i was a trained lifeguard but i wasn't an emt and i hadn't dealt with a quarter of what you're talking about but somebody said get into the zen of ems just just stop Mm -hmm. blank everything else out yeah you have to work on this and this only yeah and and it and it worked and he's fine he's now um He's actually, he's actually a chief of ER medicine.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Ironic.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, but, but, you know, to your point, how we work or how we respond to something is so ingrained in our, our own world, our own worldview, our history and so forth. And it doesn't sound to me like you're, mad about things. It sounds like you just need to get past them. Like you You're like, I need to fix this. It just sounds to me like that's how you, how you kind of approach life.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think that the, the lemonade, just that the whole theme of that, uh, take the sourest lemon life has to offer and make it, you know, into something resembling lemonade. That was like, I couldn't have found a better thing to represent this crap ton of, well, crap that's had been <laughs> hoisted on me. And, and, you know, it's not, it's not just one and it's not just two. And it's like, it's three things and three major things that happened. And I'm not, no, I'm not mad, you know, cause life it's life, you know, I even spent my anniversary in the rehab. That's so romantic too. But, you know, I even, I think things, I believe that God's in control. And and, and so I, I think that I. he knew that I wouldn't waste this. I mean, it's really exciting to be able to share this stuff with other people because I think that we all go through stuff and, and everybody doesn't want to share. And that's totally cool with me. I don't judge whether you're open or not, but having being able to hear my stuff I just hope that it helps and and i'm always willing to share and help and you know I think that one thing has been a blessing is that my my best friend you know on the the seven month to the day anniversary of my surgery, she underwent surgery for stage three breast cancer, so we've minus seven months we've both been battling our stuff and and she has the same attitude she's fought it like a true CrossFitter, and while she's not CrossFitting yet, we need to work on her. But <laughs> anyhow, she um, she's trudging along, and I'm so happy to say that she is uh, nearly done with treatment and is kicking its butt. However, it's been a crazy to awesome experience to be able to have someone that understands. Just because I know uh, you know people mean well, and I'm not I'm not referring to anybody on the Masters page, but I've had countless people and maybe this could be a PSA so that to never, what never to say to people is like, at least it wasn't this or at least this, or, you know, it could have been worse or, you know, like, yeah, I get that. And I say that to myself sometimes, but it's not helpful to hear that from somebody else when you're, you know, battling, (laughs) you're just battling hell. And mm-hmm. and someone comes along and says, "Well, at least it wasn't this," or you know. It, so, mate, the way uh, I see it, or the way other people have seen it too, is that you're invalidating everything that they're dealing with when you're saying that. But I know they mean well because here's the thing: is I caught myself after I've been through all this stuff, almost saying the same thing. <laughs>
0: and i'm like holy crap this is so stupid sometimes it's hard for us to know how to relate and what i'm hoping a little bit is is you know this is rebecca's Journey. And like we said early on, this is not a neurosurgeon's right. recommendation for recovery or it's it's who you are, it's how you've attacked things. Mm-hmm. You've been very open. And this podcast generates from the, the Facebook group. And and I'm hoping a few more people hear it because you, yeah, you've been through a lot and you got a lot to share. And hopefully I can put the link up for your fundraising on, on this podcast when I'm able to get that up. Yeah. Is there is there anything that we haven't talked about that you kind of want to share or, or hit on? Because I appreciate every minute of your time.
3: Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I'm totally an open book. And so any questions that you have to ask, I, I just, I don't think of anything that um, specifically I wrote, but I just, I think that like you said, I don't ever want to push the way I did things um, or the way I am dealing with things onto other people. I do think that you, I actually, I had heard uh, of an an oncologist say that, that he could tell who's going to do well and who's not by the way they, when they walk in the door and in a lot of times attitude is everything. And, of course, there are, you know, there are situations where they die. I'm not saying that. I understand that. He's not necessarily saying that everybody that has a good attitude is going to live. That's not it either. However, I've seen people with the same thing as I have that have have sunk into, uh, like, withered away and just, like, into a massive depression and, and just almost basically rolled up and died. I... I can't, I can understand that because there are times where I just laid on the couch and I'm like, I don't know. I I can't even handle this anymore. But I, luckily I had y'all and reached out uh, and, but also um, I just can't live like that. And, and so I, I feel like I have the opportunity to go like in my box. It's, it's like a family and, and y'all are like a family and and I could go and do what I can do. I'm not, you know, going to PR everything. I'm not going to RX everything. I can just go and get out of the house or maybe it's just go take a walk or just do something, you know, cuz laying on my couch was in my head space was was just miserable. So I really hope that maybe hearing my story cuz I'm just an average I'm so nothing special and if you've seen my stuff my CrossFit scores and stuff, you would not be impressed.
0: I will disagree with you <laughs> firmly. You are something special. <laughs> well um, oh, yeah. thanks. You know, it part of the reason I was hoping to talk with you is that you are normal. You you've picked up the mantle, you're a mom, you got kids, you got a husband, you you live a normal life. You've been an athlete, and at a, at a at a level, not necessarily an elite level per se, but you've been an athlete, right. done marathons, and this hits you in the face. And you figured out a way to to take it over. And I appreciate that you would take the time and talk with me. So I, I thank you very much.
3: Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity to to share my story and stuff. And plug again, if anybody wants to come to Fort Worth in the fall or in the spring, because you know, it'll be better weather than up north. (laughs) I'd be happy to have a
0: good time. Rebecca, thanks for your time. Your story is inspirational. And I hope you got a little bit out of this as well. And if anybody wants to get hold of you, how can we track you down?
3: Well, I am on I'm on Facebook way more than I should be. I'm also on Instagram. And my um, handle is uh making lemonade from sour lemons and i'm also on twitter i don't use that as much but i think it's b shingledecker or something but but you can also you can message me i mean i am even willing if somebody needs support i'm i'm totally willing to give my phone number out i'd probably do it right now but someone might say something uh
0: You can give it out, but I'm not going to post it. I got to tell you (laughs) that much if if somebody, if somebody wants to get hold of you. So I'll keep that in there as far as your contact info. And you have a good rest of your day.
3: I appreciate it. Curious, like how my open is going to go because I, uh, this is my first, like, well, I did do 19, but that was still real questionable, but, uh, yeah,
0: you're going to do the open.
3: I am. I'm signed up. I am signed up. I'm excited to do it. I I just feel like every time I do something like this it's just like a big middle finger to the to, <laughs> to all this, you know, and and I just I'm one of the one I was always in trouble growing up with my mom because I had to have the last word. <laughs> you know any kids like that? But and so I feel like this is my way of having the last word. Although brain the brain is a formidable foe and it a lot of times tells me who's boss, but I can not go down without a fight, you know?
0: (laughs) Well, I'm going to give you,
2: I'm going to give you the last word. Have a great afternoon. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye.
3: Bye.